This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast. I'm Dave Etler. In a vain effort to spread out the responsibility for this show, I've got some co-hosts here. Say hi to Kylie Jade Miller. Oh, thanks for the middle name, Dave. Hi, y'all. Levi Endelman. Hey. Adam Irwood. What's up? And then there's newbie, Irene Morquende. Hola. Hi. Hi. Guys, thanks for being on the show today. Uh, Irene. Yes. Gotten almost all the way through the first year of medical school. Still standing, almost. Barely. And and yet you choose now to join the, the crew. Well. What pushed you over the edge? Someone could. What made you? What made you do something so unwise? (laughs) Me. You know, Uh. I always. I ever since I started med school, I wanted to do it. And the first time that I came, there were too many people, and I stood there and I was watching. I was like, oh, I wish I could be one of those people, but there aren't enough mics. (laughs) And then med school started, and yeah, med school gets in the way. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, Should it have happened sooner? Yes. Yes, it should have. But I, I hold no ill will. You Thank guys you. you guys did some interesting things this week in clinical and professional skills. Uh, first of all, you were tested on your physical exam skills. <sighs> How was that? <laughs> Passed like a kidney stone. Uh, no. yeah. Oh, uh, dear. No one cried, peed, or vomited that's in, we in my exam room, so that was good. That's good. <gasps> oh, my PETA did have a... a PETA stands for Physical Exam Teaching Assistant. Uh, and uh, she did have a coughing fit while I was auscultating her lungs <laughs> and cost me one whole minute of my 30-minute examination. So, okay, so set the scene here. You're, you're, uh, how, what, what is the task? What, so, what was the task? The task is we have eight different physical exams that we've learned throughout the year, and we have to memorize all the various parts of it. And then you get into this room, and there's two people. One is the quote unquote fake patient and the other one is recording your score and they've written three of them that you have to perform in the 30 minutes and they just tell you to start and then you're on your way so you have three to perform in 30 minutes some had three a couple had two because they realized that was way too many for just a 30 minute period (laughs) so because the exam it's like a head show thing so you're doing like all of the you know cardiac exam in like standing seated leaning forward on your side doing and every some are, single maneuver. Some some exam bits that you might get assigned are shorter than others. So Not all exams are created equal. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Neuro what? is much longer than derm. I got <laughs> stuck. Well, I got the opportunity. To <laughs> <laughs> musculoskeletal, Ooh. which is head oh. to toe, like checking every joint. Every joint. You've got to check what range of motion it does, how strong it is. Um, look at it, touch it, everything. Plus head and neck, which I don't know if you guys felt like head and neck was like. I nope. had head and neck. Yeah. That was long. You're like putting your hands in someone's mouth and you're doing oh. all, all sorts of fun. It's actually kind of. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's know? definitely cool. <laughs> I like MSK. It's interactive. You get to actually do, participate with the patient, yeah. you know? <laughs> yes, I had those two in addition to I as well. Same. Because I was earlier. Oh, you in got the... the same ones I got. I must yeah. be easy. There's only there's only two little things. You have to use the ophthalmoscope, and some people still don't know which end to look in. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Let's Get be honest. Blasted by the light. <laughs> oh. Did you uh, did you find any anomalies that you? No, I, mean, I definitely. Ky- Kylie's Kylie's patient apparently coughed up a lung during hers. I think that might want to be <laughs> well, checked I, out. <laughs> I had a moment where you have to use a tuning fork. And you're checking for their hearing, and so you like hit the tuning fork, and then you place it on top of their head, and you ask them, can you hear this? And I don't know what happened with me with my nerves, but I asked her if she could feel it, and she was like, no, I can't feel it. And I was like, oh, she's just doing that because she's taking up my time. And then I did it again, and I asked her, I don't know why I asked her that. I was like, can you feel it? She's like, no, I can't feel it. 
Turns out I like was supposed to ask her if she could hear it, but yeah, but you passed. I did pass. Subtle difference. Yeah, I had a couple situations like that. The tuning fork on the the toe for vibration sense. I yeah. said, let me know if you can he- feel this, and then he didn't say anything. And- <laughs> I just, I just waited. Well, and we should come Were you like, were you like, can you feel us? <laughs> They're given instruction not to talk or interact with you. And so, yeah, they have to answer, can you feel this? Or does this feel different? With a, like a monosyllabic? monosyllabic? Sure. Yeah. yeah that's answer. A Good job. Thanks. That was multisyllabic. Big words at the end of a week. But other than that, they are straight faced. So it's really like... <laughs> You don't think about like sensory deprivation and like you've we've watched the videos of, you know, a baby that's interacting with the mother and then they make the mother go away or she stops responding to the emotional cues of the baby. And that's how I feel when I'm in that room with them. I I like to smile and chat with people and they just stare at you or say, sorry, I cannot I cannot talk to you. <laughs> yeah, you I just, honestly you're don't, shut down. don't break out in laughter throughout the entire thing because if I had to rewatch that, I just Yeah. It's probably the funniest. I just find myself talking just to fill space and I'm just talking to myself. Yeah. It's much and like podcasting. When it feels <laughs> During during last semester I got my Peter to laugh during the during the exam. Oh, yeah. What did you do? I got my Peter to laugh this time. Nice. Did, did you this share your nice. stripper name? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I did not. Oh, I don't know what you're talking uh, about. We need to one day during residency that? applications, somebody's going to Google Levi's name. This episode is going to come up and they're going to think that he's yeah. a stripper. Yeah. They're going to ask you that in your interview. Beige fried chicken. That'll be a stripper name. <laughs> <laughs> Finger looking good. Yeah. Oh my god! For all of those at oh home Ed, wanting to edit that out, Dave. <laughs> you know, now but that Dean, uh, please don't now that edit. Dean Rahal knows that we have a podcast, I'm a little nervous. But <laughs> so to figure out your stripper name, you take the color of your underwear and what you last ate, and lo and behold, you have a whole new career. Yep. Yeah. What's uh, what's your stripper name, Jade? Um, Jade. <laughs> on the weekends, they call me Black Pizza. Nice. <laughs> Irene. Um, Black string cheese. Nice. A hearty breakfast. Levi? Green biscuit. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of biscuit. I want to get the full effect here. I feel like ham and cheese. All right. right. Biscuit? I wish it was those red lobsters, Cheddar Bay biscuits. Oh my God, those are so good. I wish it was those too. Yes, you can. PSA, they have it at Costco. You can make them at home. Levi the Green Cheddar Bay Biscuit. I hope that's not (laughs) copyrighted or (laughs) not a a sponsor. (laughs) Not a sponsor. It will be soon. Adam. Adam. And mine was blue popcorn. Nice. You can tell medical school has brought out our most nutritious selves. (laughs) We are learning about nutrition. (laughs) We are. And she's very reassuring when she's like, you're probably not deficient in all of these vitamins. Yeah. You, you may be over deficient. <laughs> over, she also said, take too much calcium and you won't absorb your iron. I'm like, where is the balance? I can't figure it out mm. at all. Yeah. That's no good. And then the other interesting thing you guys did this week uh, was that you were uh, in groups that presented research that you did for class on many subjects. And, and you guys know how much I like research on the show because I'm science adjacent. So I, uh, I thought we'd talk about your projects. What, uh, what was the goal of doing these things, first of all, for class? So I know what, what were you doing? Were you just like, this is how to do a presentation? What was it? <laughs> They're all looking at each other like, I don't know so what the goal was. why did we was. do this? Did we ever ask questions about why we do things yeah, in medical <laughs> I, I think it was, it, the goal of it was to address and research uh, a public health related issue that as a group of six or seven people, we decided, hey, this is something we want to do further research on, you know, there, there might be this little piece of literature here, 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 and here, and do some sort of a synthesis as to get a better picture of what does this public health issue look like in relation to what we've been learning. Now that Boom. Yes. was well Gold said. Star. Right there. That Dr. Was, Trepain. That was good for oh, a Friday. Is very pleased right <laughs> Shout now. Shout out to Dr. It's <laughs> lady, lady crush. Uh, it's <laughs> under the general course medicine and society. So over the course of the semester, we've been looking at these different um, kind of issues. So. Okay. So uh, Irene, your group's poster. Oh, uh, I know first. It was about. Yeah, I'm going to. You, you were doing fine, girl. Uh, your group's poster was about needle exchange in Narcan. Yes. Tell us more. Also known as naloxone. Yeah. For those of you who are not familiar, needle exchange programs allow individuals 
to bring in used needles and get clean, sterile needles, as well as there are programs that do education and um, intervention and, you know, different ways to help people out who may be using drugs. So they have found that there's kind of um, a disagreement about whether physicians should be giving clean needles because, well, people ask, okay, are you enabling someone to continue Mm. using drugs, basically? Or are you at some point kind of helping them stop? And what they found is that people don't actually engage more in high-risk behaviors or drug use because of these programs, but there are lower rates of infections such as HIV, Hep C, Hep B. So, uh, so it's the conflict between do no harm and, and treating patients. Right. And so then with naloxone, naloxone is a is a medication that you administer if somebody has overdosed and they've gone into respiratory distress. And so usually, statistically, you have between about one and three hours, then that really, really varies depending on the person. Um, on how fast you should get an intervention to help them to keep them from dying basically mm. and naloxone is not addictive it doesn't but it does have side effects and so usually the people that are around the person who has overdosed would be the best people to administer it but um it has to be available for them to to get out of pharmacy or somewhere yeah and it's not legal it's, everywhere to yeah, do that right and so there are a lot of issues associated with that about whether people should will engage in higher risk behaviors because they know that they have this backup method if they are if naloxone is available to just Mm. pick up at the pharmacy but i don't know when we were giving our presentation there were a lot of really good um thoughts on okay well we also have plan b which is available for people and there were worries that um, Plan B being the the uh, the contraceptive, contraceptive. yeah the the yeah so emergency contraception so um, there were worries that people would engage in higher risk sexual behaviors because this was available and that they that it would be a problem but they haven't found that that's the case they found that you know it might even be lower if they have education and knowledge that you know get out education and knowledge right what is up with that to thunk. I'm gonna play something for you. Um, you guys hear about Sheriff Peyton Grinnell of Florida's Lake County? So, yeah, this week's Sheriff Peyton Grinnell of Florida's Lake County issued this video message on the Lake County Sheriff's Department Facebook fan page. Uh, before I play it, it's worth noting that the entire video is Sheriff Grinnell standing behind a podium flanked by SWAT team officers on each side wearing full tactical gear, including black balaclavas over their faces. Um, and many people commented, if you want to picture this, many commented that it looked like an ISIS video. So we'll, we'll play what he said. Over the last month or so, I've had several phone calls from citizens in this county concerned about the number of overdoses related to heroin. I want our citizens to know that I am aware of this serious issue. I am asking our residents to please call and let us know if you know of a location that this poison is being pushed out to our streets. You can remain anonymous. To the dealers that are pushing this poison, I have a message for you. We're coming for you. As a matter of fact, our undercover agents have already bought heroin for many of you. We are simply awaiting the arrest warrants to be finalized. So, to the dealers I say, enjoy looking over your shoulder, constantly wondering if today's the day we come for you. Enjoy trying to sleep tonight, wondering if tonight's the night our SWAT team blows your front door off the hinges. We are coming for you. Run. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know if we needed a, an, uh, an ISIS-style video to, uh, to get that message out, but... <laughs> I think there are a lot of problems with the video, but I mean, at least he was kind enough to give them a warning and tell them to run. That is nice. (laughs) Run. Get out of my county. Go to somebody else's county. Exactly. It's like hide and seek. I'm going to give you a 10 minute head start. Yeah. Um, I mean, this seems to be often the case that attempts to deal with the, the opioid epidemic involve more law enforcement and less treatment. Right. Which is actually one of the reasons that um, people don't always call 
medical professionals when they have someone near them that's overdosed because they're afraid that they are going to get arrested yeah. because they've been around this person. Yeah. We did a whole show on this because um, there was a conference earlier this mm-hmm. year um, about um, uh, heroin treatment and heroin addiction and uh, law, basically law enforcement and healthcare professionals and all kinds of people getting together to uh, to talk about this topic. So if you want to go back, uh, listen, go back and search our website for heroin, opioids and you'll find it. I wish I knew what show it was, but that would require preparation. <laughs> <laughs> this, and that is not something I do. It feels like a step in the wrong direction. Like we're going back in time to the whole criminalization of drug abuse, like back in the 90s and the war on <sighs> drugs. Yeah. And we're punishing these people for their, I mean, their drug addiction, which is a classifiable mental disorder. And half of the time they're, I mean, maybe not half, I would have to look up the statistics again, but they're getting their initial exposure to opioids from the medical sector. Yes. And like we touched on a lot of this kind of over the the uh, opioid conference. And there's been a lot of push even from our medical students here with legislators in um, Des Moines at the Capitol um, for clean needle change and that sort of thing. Right. But the, the criminalization part we were, I feel like, taking a step in the right direction in this whole kind of change in I atmosphere. Think, I just think it's amazing that it hasn't occurred to a lot of people that the war on drugs didn't work. You know, it was a, it's been a failure. Yeah. Um, and in its, in, its, in its present form. And it created a lot of problems that tied into my own presentation. Which um, was uh, the prison cell cycle. Yes, which I thought was uh, was lovely. Tell us about your uh, your metaphor and your <laughs> and yeah. your poster. So, if you give a bunch of medical students a task relating to public health, and they're going to be nerds and turn it into something sciencey as well. So, we actually looked at the mass incarceration epidemic in the United States and um, compared that uh, cycle of incarceration and reintegration um, and the breakdown of families due to. Uh, the correctional system, we compare that to the cell cycle. Um, so your good old mitosis, G1, G2, S phase, um, and we <clears throat> framed that in a cyclical nature because as we brought up reasons for um, why people might be going to prison, why people have a hard time readjusting when they get back out of prison, and that whole thing. And every time we brought up a good reason, we're like, well, here's you know two other things that are confounding this issue and so we ended up just making it a circle so so what are some statistics that you discovered about um prison uh, incarceration in the u.s yeah so um in the last couple years of obama's administration he was definitely pushing to decrease the prison population that was brought up so rapidly due to the war on drugs um so in the united states we had just over two million of our citizens in either uh, jail or state or federal prison. And our prisons are at an occupancy level of nearly 104%. Mm. So they're overly full. And while prison uh, funding has increased by over 500% in the last couple decades, um, funding within the prisons for health programs and educational programs has actually decreased. And we see the the number of uh, rehabilitative programs such as the high school GED programs and things actually, um, they're decreasing as the numbers go up. And so, you know, less than, uh, or more than 40% of prisoners don't even have a high school diploma. So what's education got to do with prison, though? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, here's the big question. Um, So a lot of these people that are going to prison as part of the cycle, they had family members that were incarcerated, broken homes. And when you have a parent removed from the home, you are more likely to act out in school and get in trouble in school, uh, which is going to make you less likely to go to school. Um, But at the same time, you also have uh, poorer health outcomes. They can show less access to insurance, to healthy food, um, to preventative care uh, when you have either only a one-parent home or you're being cared for by extended family and friends. So education, if we could increase our funding there rather than the significant increases we've seen in the criminal justice system. Um, Iowa spends about $33,000 on a prisoner in one year to keep them 
uh, in the system, whereas we're spending less than $10,000 per student. Um, so if wow. we could flip that huge divide in our numbers and increase our after-school programs, um, things that are going to catch the kids that have this increased risk, um, we call them adverse childhood experience, um, so ACEs. Um, ACEs can be anything like severe illness um, in your family or an incarcerated parent or domestic violence, um, anything that you know could hinder your development in childhood. So when we take surveys and do studies of people that have been incarcerated, you see this rapid, significant jump in the number of ACEs they experience as a child. Um, so they have increased problems at home. They are predisposed to getting back into the system, and it just repeats over and over again. Is education an intervention after incarceration? It is. Um, so the studies show when, uh, with if you graphed kind of academic credit hours versus the recidivism rate, uh, the more time, the more credits that they're able to gain, the less likely they are to go back to jail, which is significant. That's a big uh, impact factor in our prisons. So why in in a five year uh, period after being released? Um, there's an 80% chance that you're going to go back to prison. Um, so reducing that with um, academic programs is helpful because they're more likely to get a job. Hmm. Only 37% of prisoners can get a job in the year following their release. If you don't have a job, you don't have a steady income, you're going to have to steal to eat, you're not going to have a method of transportation to get to a job, you are not going to be able to meet all of your parole or probation um, requirements. And that, again makes you more likely to get picked up and go back into the system. Levi, your group covered Medicaid expansion and how that affected access to mental health services. What did you guys find? Um, so basically, yeah, we were, we were looking at um, particularly the, the effect of the ACA um, expansion of Medicaid and how that has impacted um, people's access to, to mental health and to, to, to an extent just to access to healthcare in general. And really what we found was it's not, it's, it's largely beneficial and it's not just beneficial to the individuals. There have been studies that have shown that it's beneficial to the facilities and to the states um, that chose to expand Medicaid. And there, there was a Supreme Court issue over this because there was a, a mandate in the original ACA about every state um, expanding Medicaid and the Supreme Court ruled against that. And so the states essentially had an option to either opt in or opt out of the Medicaid expansion. And Iowa was one of the states that opted in. And so there have been several there have been several studies that have looked at um, sort of opt in versus opt out states and sort of the, the health care outcomes just sort of by facility um, in, in these states and for the for the patients in general. And what we found just as general trends was for the states that opted to go with the Medicaid expansion. The f hospital healthcare facilities were finding that the the populations of patients that they were treating had a lower rate of being uninsured. So basically, they they had a greater patient proportion that had health insurance, which makes sense. And particularly the more um, vulnerable populations, so people at or near the poverty line. And people who are who have mental health issues and who are seeking um, substance abuse counseling and treatment, um, they saw upturns in those as well. And people seeking access to men mental health treatments as as well, and just patients generally seeking care. I think one of the studies we looked at said like, you know, the average number of a doctor's office visits per patient jumped from like five to six to more like 11 or 12 in a given year. Wow, that's a big effect. Yeah. And <clears throat> so it's been benefits to patients because they have more of a, a more reliable place to go get, you know, standard care and they don't have to worry as much about costs. Um, and then when more insured patients go and seek care, then the hospital's 
are treating less people who are uninsured. So they, the hospitals end up making more money because less people would default on an entire medical bill versus if even some of it was covered by Medicaid. So the hospitals lose less money. And then in turn, when you have several hospitals throughout a state losing less money, the state um, healthcare funding loses less money overall, and they can allocate those funds toward other things. You know, the I think um, the the data in one of our studies said like states that opted into the Medicaid expansion saved an average of about two hundred million dollars uh, per year hmm. compared to states that did not opt in. In total. In total. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, basically what we found was we, we failed to see the, the benefit of not opting into the to the Medicaid expansion because it, uh, like I said, it's not mandatory and it just gives people who need and would otherwise use that insurance to go and seek health care that they might not otherwise seek. It gives them a place to do that, you know, other than like an, another study we looked at. Um, showed decreases in patients going to the ER for mental health diagnoses and instead going to more ambulatory and or inpatient, outpatient mental health facilities for such diagnoses and treatment rather than going to an ER where, you know, an ER doctor might not be as much of an expert on psychiatric disorders as a psychiatrist at one of these facilities would be. So you're paying less because it's not ER treatment for just, you know, a general visit and you're getting better quality of care because the person that you're seeing is, is inherently more qualified to treat psychiatric disorders. So good news, bad news here. We have a, we have a positive effect on mental health care delivery, uh, as a result of Medicaid expansion. And now we may, who knows, maybe we'll get to test the other side again. When uh, our uh, nation's uh, Republican senators and, and Congress—please <laughs> don't edit that out. Our, our nation's yeah, Chinese senators our, our, na- our nation's uh, politicians decide to uh, gut the ACA and repeal it. We'll be able to test the other side of the coin again. And uh, great news for Iowa, which is ranked 50th in the state of uh, mental health care. Yeah, there are 50 states. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, all right, Adam, your group presented Ta-da. research on efforts in various cities to curb obesity by taxing sugar sweetened beverage. This was all the rage uh, a while back and still kind of is. I uh, think it's just still sort of is. How I did mean, that personally targeted by this? When I walked by your poster, <laughs> someone was like, "It's not what it looks like. You should read the whole poster." Well, a lot of people. We were at the very end. A lot of people turned the corner, read the title, and went, "Huh," and then immediately turned around like, that "I don't want to get it. Wait, I don't want to get involved." Let in everyone this. know what the actual title was. <laughs> I don't want to address my own reality here. <laughs> the title was um, using taxation to. reduce obesity i think yeah or or something very similar Mm -hmm. instead Mm -hmm. of being about sugar sweetened beverages (laughs) and so it it almost seemed like we were taxing people just because of their bmi (laughs) which is not which is not the intent lesson one the title is important in this corner you either caught everyone's eye and brought them in or really scared them yeah Mm. but you know at least we got people thinking, I guess. I, well, <laughs> thinking and then running, but fine. <laughs> what did you What did you discover? Um, but it's pretty interesting. Uh, it's been enacted in a few cities in the U.S. Berkeley, I think, was the first one a few years ago, and then Philadelphia has done it in a city in New York. New York, but um, and then also a few countries as well, Mexico has a tax that I think has been deemed the sin tax and then UK has a similar tax. But um, so just trying to look into the efficacy of taxation on sugar sweetened beverages to curb uh, consumption. Much of the interest is because of research into uh, the public health initiative for smoking Mm. in the US, which was really successful. And they've found that much of the success is more attributable to the taxation rather than the public health education. Hmm. And so... Um, <laughs> Americans don't like to lose their money, but yeah. they, they also don't like to be educated. Which I found really surprising. I was definitely dubious at first. But um, 
And so there is there's there is interest in possibly doing taxation where you're also giving the money to some sort of public health um, education initiative as well. But it was interesting because most of the judges and people who came around, um, many of their questions were ended up being or issues with it ended up being sort of ethical in nature. A lot of people were wondering if you're taxing those of the lowest socioeconomic status, basically, oh, by yeah. doing a taxation mm-hmm. on sugar-sweetened beverages. But isn't um, that the same issue for smoking? Well, and also they consider, some consider it to be a food so that's necessary for life, whereas smoking is seen as an ex- accessory commodity. And because um, in many of these areas, <laughs> possibly in these poor areas, there's... <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because that's stupid. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> it is stupid, but also it's because... Diet Coke is uh, life, Dave. <laughs> for the, in areas where healthy, high-quality foods are poorly subsidized, um, is this really solving the problem? If if people... Are they moving from no. sugar-sweetened beverages to a better option? Are they just moving to another, another lower-quality food for yeah. their calories? So... All right. I guess I'll try not to judge so harshly, but it's still stupid. <laughs> so um, how does that affect people but, that are in like areas designated as like food desert kind of places where yeah, sometimes that's, yeah. that might be the only access to food that you really have within right. a given mileage? Yeah, that is definitely a concern. So kind of what I came to is if you are going to do a taxation, which you would generate a significant amount of revenue from that, then you could... Uh, you could use that to help with uh, these pretty much ill programs that are trying to subsidize food and food deserts. Yeah. So, you know, there's a uh, I read this week. I didn't really take any notes on it, but I read this week that um, there are some states that are going to start taxing um, opioid prescriptions a cent per milligram to fund treatment programs. Wait, They're really? considering it. Hmm. Um, I think your home state, California, is uh, tossing that idea. Oh around. yeah, you know we're definitely the leaders in great ideas. Yeah. So, <laughs> Wait, but my thought that? here is that you'd have a hard time passing legislation and taxing a lot of these sugar sweetened beverages because I would bet that a significant proportion of policymakers, lawmakers have some kind of funding lining their pocket from PepsiCo (laughs) and, you know, all of these large corporations. Not a sponsor. Right. But (laughs) they're problematic. That's what I'm trying to say. Did you ever see that? Pepsi's problematic this week for a lot of reasons. We'll just move on. Well, now that you have all this research experience, I think it's time that we uh, that we put it to use. We're going to play a game of uh, of true or false. I'm going to present to you some news stories of research recently conducted and you will uh, <laughs> tell whether or whether it is true or false. All right. So some of them I made up and some of them are real. So I'll oh, <laughs> shit. I don't want this pencil. It's nutritional, nu- national nutritional month, healthy Boo. eating, healthy you. It's got a fish and a tomato on it. I don't eat either yeah. of those things. I'd those just are- like to note that Kylie has a bag of <laughs> guacamole and <laughs> Yeah. Corn chips to, oh, yeah. to no. round out her pizza. No, okay. Are those organic? These are sweet potato flaxseed chia chips with sweet organic baby Jesus. Guac. That sounds gross. <laughs> no, they taste so good. You can oh, try it, gross. but they've been in my bag for like four days. Okay. Well, okay. I'm going to keep score. Whoever gets the most right will uh, win a prize, which Ooh. I have not acquired, or nor do I know what it is. So we're going to have to make that up at the end. A back massage. Better not be nutritious. All right. Which of the following? Box. <laughs> Which of the following science or science-adjacent stories represents actual research or research I made up? Now, here's the trick. Mm. We're going to, because these are, because we are in, in a medical school, and sometimes medical students like to sabotage and compete with each other. Don't tell anybody, but it's true. Feel free to discuss <laughs> your answers with the goal, maybe, of putting your competitors off the track. Oh, I cut Levi's uh, donor body's phrenic nerve when he wasn't looking at anatomy. That's where it went. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. First study, true or false, a previous study by a group of Finnish researchers who analyzed elections in the U.S., European Union, Finland, and Australia showed how politicians on the right were perceived to be better looking. Now... 
The same team has discovered that left-leaning scholars were perceived as more attractive than their right-leaning colleagues. However, right-leaning scholars were often better groomed. True or false? So now they're considered more attractive. When was it that right was considered more attractive? So right... Right-leaning politicians are more attractive. Oh. Left-leaning scholars are more attractive scholars. than right-leaning scholars. Is this a true or a false bit of research? Is this one that I made up? I'm trying to think of people that I know. In those well, I'm a scholar. Scholars that I know. <laughs> you know right Not a single scholar in this room. Oh. I do notice. I do note that uh, I have. I have uh, on occasion met uh, professors who have the most amazing eyebrows. On fleek? Uh, the term is on fleek. They're on, well, I don't know about that. I don't know if they're considered on fleek, but they're definitely out like this. Like, like, like feelers. Those are caterpillars. Like feelers, yeah. You can also go on uh, ratemyprofessor.com and see if a given yes, professor a has, has the chili pepper. I miss What's rate the chili my pepper? Wait, what? It's, it's, a, it's an indicator of uh, hotness rated by the students, oh, which is kind of we weird. Have, That's a thing. Do we have Wait, a rate my professor? What if they did that about us? Would that be weird? Yes. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> I didn't know that they still use those at med schools. I'm going to go look for Just trying to be fair for all parties, you know. Or there, I think most of them are listed under the University of Iowa, but just generally, but you can, you can, okay. find, you can find most of them. Hmm. Some of them. So, uh, sorry. Not to uh, no, that's Back fine. We're, we're, we're not opposed to the Stop. tangent. True or false? Go ahead and write down your answers and then uh, we can... Well, then we can share them. Dave, can I just add that you gave us pencils and I feel like we're more inclined to cheat because someone's already erased and rewritten their answer. I'm using a pen. I'm just trying to keep an open mind here. Okay, Kylie. She's vicious. She's already starting. Yeah. She's going to, there are no comment books for this. So I, relax. I, I do well on that one caps exam and suddenly I'm a gunner. All right. Gunner. What did you guys uh, write down? Uh, we'll start with Adam. Mm. I said true. All right. Mm. I said false, but it's probably true. All right. Irene. I said true, and then I erased mine to false and put false because Kylie judged oh, me for putting true. Oh, she could have been trying to throw you off. You threw me off. You did this. <laughs> Levi? The seeds of deceit are sown. Mm. Uh, I chose true. The answer is true. Yes. This um, is a I'm going to pull a gender bias card on that question because only the boys got it right. <laughs> I kind of got it right. <laughs> yeah. She was dissuaded. I also yeah. thought it was probably true because Dave couldn't make up that much shit. I, well, we'll it see. It was a lot of words. It was a lot of words. We'll see. I was trying to imagine what a right-wing scholar looked like, and I figured it was probably like an economist or like financial person that was probably fairly dorky. Yeah, I don't know. Dorky. I don't know. I didn't actually read this stuff. Um, all right. Our next bit of science comes from uh, Venezuela. A group of Venezuelan researchers set out to look at how smoking affects fertility and discovered something entirely different. That tadpoles exposed to cigarette smoke never mature into frogs. The stunted tadpoles, however, continued to grow larger. However, they never underwent the metamorphosis that gives them legs, skeletons, or adult carnivorous lifestyles. Ooh. True or false? What do you guys think? Discuss. Well, I don't know. Seems too straightforward. I feel like I saw this posted somewhere. Smoking is, I mean, smoking is gross. Yeah, but I think in it causes um, problems in humans. It causes preterm birth, but I yeah, don't but know it's also that it's implicated in a protective factor for preeclampsia. Smoking? Yeah, it's, it is. You shouldn't, you shouldn't smoke during pregnancy. Yeah, I don't. But if you do, you're less likely to get preeclampsia. Do not ask your doctor today. Yes. <laughs> we take no responsibility. <laughs> um, it's not, I don't think it's a teratogen. I don't think it's, I don't know. Is it teratogenic? I don't know. I don't think it's I'm going through my head and going, okay, tadpoles to frogs, that's correct. Carnivorous adult lifestyle, yeah, that's correct. They have bones and skeletons. All your facts are there. I I forgot that frogs are carnivorous. I put false. Well, don't give it away. (laughs) But now that we have started, let's go over our answers. Um, Irene, you did you what did you write down, Irene? I put false. Okay. Uh, Kylie? Hasn't written anything. Kylie's blowing up balloons. I think it's... I'm going to go with true just to be the devil's advocate. Uh, All right. Adam? I got persuaded to false 
Okay, and Levi? I put false as well. The correct answer is false. Ayo. Yes. Wait, can you tell us why? No. The reason why is because I made that shit up. <laughs> okay. Did I you make the whole thing up? The whole thing. Because I'm remembering now what I, I saw was uh, what I thought sparked my mind was a um, video on Instagram of what I thought was a frog hatching from its egg talking about it looked pissed off because it already knew it had to sell car insurance and then i was like that's that's, that's not a frog it's a, a gecko, gecko. Um, and so I was calling bullshit on that video, that's, but that's not related. That's a really distant. I get, I get most of my science from car insurance commercials as well. So, and the whole frogs, because it looked like a frog coming from an egg. But I was like, frogs are tadpoles first. And I did, um, I did look up some facts on tadpoles and frogs okay. and polywogs. Everyone leaves out polywogs, and they're the coolest ones. Polywog is a tadpole. It's the same thing. No, polywog. it's bigger. It's once it's got its tail and it's like bigger body. Oh. And it's starting to grow appendages. Oh. I didn't oh. know we used tadpoles for research. I We may not. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole basis of my false answer. Oh, really? That's <laughs> like, we have That's better, probably we, we have better more, model. We have better yeah, models than the tadpole. You knew false after the first word. All right. Well, let's see if uh, this next one stumps y'all. Uh, good news. UC Berkeley researchers have finally tied up the loose ends, aha, aha, on why shoelaces come untied. They built a device that simulates the forces acting on knots during movement and discovered that some activities like running can exert up to seven gravities. That knot, or the knot, deforms under such stresses and the loop the loops and ends flop around and those, that adds to the forces, ultimately causing them to unravel all at once usually within about 15 minutes. The bad news, while some types of knots work better than others, they don't know why, so they can't yet devise a perfectly stable knot. Is this something I made up, or is this a true bit of research? You be the judge. So the answer is ne not clear. I have You said seven Gs. Two, how, many, seven. how many Gs can you actually... I think on like a roller coaster, like more than... At like four can kill you or something. Yeah, but I don't think I think an instantaneous G force on your foot won't kill you. <laughs> seems All like I a know lot of is that when I'm running on a track and I don't double knot my shoes, I'm highly at risk for falling on my face. Yeah. So. And for ending up on YouTube or something like that. Mm. So. My shoes my do come untied a lot. Two things. Yeah, and I hate double knotting. Look, so I, I got just, a double knot I just right put now. up with it. Couldn't tie my shoes until the fourth grade. Still met it, made it to medical school. So shout out to all of you out there struggling with bigger, better things. If you haven't and learned to tie, if you haven't learned to tie your shoes yet, listeners, <laughs> we'd like to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a problem with this, with it being true or false. With it being true, I'm like, why the hell are we spending this research money on questions like this? My second question is, if it's false, why are we paying Dave to sit in his office and come up with shit like this? <laughs> Either way, we have misdirected so funds. I'd like to bring it to Levi, who usually has a neutral answer. And I would. Well, well first of all, I want to. I want to respond. I want to respond to to Kylie's uh, 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 statements there. Sick burn. Well, <laughs> the second part I agree with. <laughs> the first part is sometimes when we study everyday things that puzzle us, we learn new and interesting things. I mean, this is basic Aww. science. So beautiful. It is. I basic science. Says the guy with the humanities degree. This is an answer to an everyday question that many people have, but yeah. Just I mean, double knot your shoes. No, double I knots come double undo. Knotting. Double I knots have to come double undo. Knot. It doesn't matter. Come on, double dot. Double double dots come double, undo. Double this. Double dots. Double double that. that. Uh, Levi, what was? Dots. Let's let's move on to the answer portion. What what was your answer? I picked true just because I thought very vaguely that I saw this come across my news feed on the I something love science uh, news feed. Hmm. All right. Uh, what was your answer, I'll Irene? Put true, because I have a personal bias and I think my shoes come untied far too frequently when I'm running. Oh. Yeah. And, and Kylie? I'm going to go true because I keep picking the opposite of everyone else and getting it wrong. Okay. And Adam? I ended up putting true and Levi's answer made me feel better about it. You are all correct. Yes. Oh, this is true research. Can I have a prize Wait, Can we now? go back to that roller coaster thing you were talking about? What? 
What about it? I remember watching a documentary once, the certain number of G's. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's def- I think seven would definitely kill you. Fighter pilots can can uh, if, if I remember correctly, they can um, withstand something like 10 G's, but okay. they're usually passed out. Irene um, has okay. one G. Yeah, I do. That's her boyfriend's name. Oh, your boyfriend's <laughs> oh, name is G. It is. Oh, dang. That's not short for anything. <laughs> <laughs> it also is short for something. <laughs> Let's move on. He's the OG. Um, nice. All right. Our next. I didn't know he would make it into this podcast. Hi, G. Neither did he. I'm hoping that he does permanently. Uh, biomedical researchers at John Hopkins has discover, have discovered that some men exude a chemical from their skin called luciferase. The researchers aren't sure. <laughs> the researchers oh, oh. aren't sure what process creates the substance and they aren't sure whether it has a function, but they theorize it could be a human pheromone. If so, it would be the first molecule ever to hold that designation. As while there is evidence of the effects of pheromones on human, none have ever been discovered. It turns out that such men, and perhaps women, who weren't studied by the researchers, are easy to spot. Their skin fluoresces under UV light. Is this something that is true research? Or something that I made up? Hmm. This is so crazy, it could be true. Luciferous, like named after the devil? Scientists name things all sorts of weird... See, I was... was I was calling BS on this one right up until you said at the very end when with the whole skin fluorescing thing. Can we? I would love that. I'll tell you what. I would love that. So sweet. I remember luciferase being the enzyme that's in a firefly's tail that lets it glow. Yes, Mm. and that would explain why the men at raves are so enticing. Mm -mm. Just can't help myself. (laughs) Not glow sticks. Do uh, I mean? What do you think? Boys. Write down. Write down your answers. Oh no! You guys aren't writing down your answer. It's false. No, the last thing I wrote down says Irene sucks. If, if, if this is false, you're falling to obvious a pattern. True, false, true, false. Oh no, I don't like that. We'll see. Yeah, you're supposed to do uh, differing re- patterns of repetition when testing someone's to- big toe neurosensory. Where are we? That right is true. Now? <laughs> position sense. Yeah, the testing position sense by what bending up their big toe or pushing it down. I like, thought we were talking about pheromones and luciferous. We yeah, let's get back to the subject here. No, well, we were on the is subject this a, of the CAPS exam. Is this a true Is this <laughs> a true bit of research or is this a something that I made up? Adam. Oh, I don't oh, have God. my answer. Oh, I'm going to say true. Okay. Uh, Kylie. I'm going to go with false, and then we can talk about your problematic separating of patterns. Okay. And predictability. Uh, Irene? I put false. Oh, but so I don't false. really, you know, I don't know where. Just false. going with your gut on that one? Just going with my gut. I don't <laughs> right. know. Fair that's that's fine. Stuff. Sometimes you got to do that when you're taking a test, right? Yeah. Uh, Levi? I'm going with false just because I've never known luciferase to be associated with pheromones, only fireflies. It sounds like something Dave would make up. Levi. Bug butts. And all of the false and the two false ladies, Kylie and Irene. You're not false ladies. You're real ladies. (laughs) What are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Womp womp. You guys are correct, Adam. No! I thought about too much. Uh, Oh, my perfect record. All right. Down the drain. You pushed that one too. Here we go. We got to move on. Stem cell researcher Kevin Huang this week published his research in the Journal of Heart and the Journal Heart, the Journal of Heart, the Journal Heart (laughs) on how his team created small heartlets in a mouse bred for heart failure. These tiny heart-like structures, about three millimeters across, are created using pluripotent stem cells induced to become heart muscle cells, grown into a dissolving scaffold, and then implanted onto the mice's real failing heart. This had the effect of adding an auxiliary pumping effect and to some extent, alleviating the symptoms of heart failure in the mice. Is this something that is actual research or is this a waste of your time? Hey, Adam. Hey, hey. I'm pretty sure I've seen this. I said true. Oh. I'm going to go with true on the basis that Dave doesn't make up words like pluripotent and scaffolding. True. true. All right. That's good. <laughs> Irene. I actually did put, put true. Okay. You know. And Levi. I also put true. You're all wrong. This is something. Dave, I'm so proud of that. you. This is something that I made up. Did wow. you did you like find things? Was it the online? pluripotent? I know about pluripotent stem cells. 
God, dude, that's like basic stuff. Okay, challenge for our listeners. I've been trying to convince Dave here to apply to medical school in the next cycle because he's been around all of us. He knows so much. That is would, the worst idea ever. He knows too much. In he, all of classes. Too much. he is totally like primed for success in med school. If you think... I'll be that, that person in the back of the classroom going, preach! Oh, when that, yeah. they hear bullshit. That's personal, Dave. Okay. But uh, if you at home are sitting there right now thinking that Dave Etler should apply to get his MD, just drop him a line, uh, send us some feedback, and uh, tell us why Dave should go to med school. Longtime listeners will, will, call, will call you on that because they know that I can't pronounce almost a single word that you guys can pronounce. Yeah, so. but neither can half our learn. professor. Someone said larynx, larynx, larynx the other day. Larynx. For, for <laughs> I yeah. can't even say it wrong. It was so bad. All right, last one. The 45th president of the United States is finding his administration beset by many trials. True. This, <laughs> <laughs> this past February, a new group joined the resistance, America's witches, Wiccans, and other mystics. In a demonstration of their powers, members of a group calling itself the Magical Resistance on Facebook and Twitter shared photos of their binding spell rituals. Such spells aren't meant to harm anyone, but to protect the spellcaster from someone else. So, the extent to which witches are like you and I, and are thus protect, and we are thus protected by their spells, we're probably safe. Is this a true or false bit of something that I read that's not really research, but I really thought should be here? I don't want to go first. I went first last time. All right, Levi. This sounds too crazy to be made up. I'm going true. Okay, Irene? I'm all about alternative stuff, so I'm going to say true. All right, Kylie? Definitely true. And Adam? Facebook and Twitter has a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, true. it's true. Yeah. Yes. Y'all got a point there. Let me uh, let me add up these scores. Uh, let's see. Levi got all five correct. I get half a point for the first one because Kylie threw me off. Yeah, well, yeah, no. Well, Irene was no. trying to cheat off my paper. The so. whole point is you're supposed to try to throw each other off, which very little of that was done. And I applaud that because medical school should be about collaboration and not about competition. <laughs> Kylie... Uh, got the least number of points. By the way. <laughs> See, With I was trying to teach people a lesson. Gunners never prosper. Three. Are you uh, a gunner? No, me. I was trying uh, to sabotage people. Oh. I, Irene and Adam got uh, tied for the uh, for for uh, 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 second place Ooh. with four. So. never tasted so good. I'm so proud That's of you guys for collaborating well, and not competing, out, except for Kylie. Let's you got third and exam. Well, let's whip out Cap's exam scores, and then we can, you know. Ooh. Oh, there we go. Whoa. JK. That's the that. gunner. Ew, I don't like how that's this That's the feels. gunner in you. <laughs> that's our show. Kylie, Irene, Levi, Adam, thank you so much for taking time to hang out with me today. I really enjoyed myself. Thank you, Dave. Thank I you. hope our listeners yeah. did, thank too. You. Thank you, listeners, for making us a part of your week. We know you have other things you should be doing, like paying attention and lecture, but we're glad you chose us. If you like what you hear today, consider sharing us with your friends. If you have a suggestion for something we should talk about, send it to the shortcodes at gmail or leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We love to offer advice, listeners. So if you have any questions we can help you with, maybe some relationship advice or how to choose an airline that asks nicely if they can reaccommodate you, <laughs> we're happy to help. Uh, the show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by Argo Fox. Talk to you in one week. 